Alright, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the 411 Ground and Pound MMA Podcast. We are your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. My name is Robert Winfrey, and as usual, I am your host. On the agenda this evening, hopefully not a very long show tonight, you have to preview upcoming event, UFC on ESPN Plus 69. Um, yeah, that card did not improve a whole lot during the week, but we'll give you a full preview of it. So yeah, full preview of that, and uh, we'll do a little bit of thoughts from the last weekend in combat sports, more or less. Uh, some stuff I didn't get to last week, necessarily, for a couple of reasons, and some stuff from this week. Not a lot, just a little bit worth talking about. And then some news. There's some news. There's always a little bit of news. So Before we get going, if you would, please like, comment, subscribe, share... Written review, star rating, whatever's most applicable. And I mentioned share, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, please point people in our direction if you think they'd be interested. That is tremendously, tremendously helpful to the show. Uh, yeah, again, not a whole lot. So let's jump into the event that we'll be talking about. You've seen ESPN Plus 69. Your main event. Main event. Mackenzie Dern and Jan Shaunan. You know, just before I go too far with this, hang on, just very briefly. Boy, is the fight poster they put out for this low effort, huh? Put a picture of them standing, both of them have their arms crossed, they're kind of back-to-back, and then do that stupid swirl effect around the perimeter. It's not good. I mean, the UFC has historically put out some low effort posters. This looks like... Like a cheap, early 2000s movie poster. Like, it's, it's just not good. I mean, it's not a pre... It's not a big main of It's not a big event. It's not. But the UFC is really letting you know how little they care about it, too. <laughs> uh, that, that, that absolutely is going both ways there. All right. Uh, mentioned again. Mackenzie Dern and Jan Shonan. That's not a terrible fight. Some of the other stuff in here I'm going to be... I'm going to be talking about. But that's not a terrible fight... You might get the next title challenger out of this. It's hard to say. Strawweight's weird. I mean, you just had a one of the worst title fights ever between Rose Namajunas and Carla Esparza. Now Carla's going to be fighting uh, Weili, uh, Zhang Weili. And... Look, man, here's the wonky thing about it. Zhang's probably going to win that fight, right? Um, I mean, I, I think the only reason Esparza beat Nama Yunus was because Nama Yunus had a very... That was more Nama Yunus losing than Esparza winning. And that fight sucks. It's a terrible fight. But Zhang's probably going to beat Carlos Esparza and become champion again. And have two losses to Nama Yunus, whose last fight was so bad that the UFC's probably not going to give her another title shot right away. Despite her being, I think, pretty clearly one of the best strawweights in the world, if not the best, depending on your perspective, I suppose. So it's it's kind of wonky. Again, it's, it's just a mess. Um, now, Dern's on a, what, two or three fight winning streak? Um, just one, okay. She had a four-fight winning streak snapped when she lost that decision to Marina Rodriguez, and then she beat Tisha Torres in her last fight. Uh, and Jan... On a two-fight losing streak, okay, I take it back. 
I absolutely take that back. Winner of this should not be the next title challenger. The UFC might do it anyway. Let me be clear. They might do it anyway. I mean, Jan got stopped by Esparza. Like Carla's only stoppage win in her UFC tenure, more or less. It was a TKO win. That might be her only TKO win in the UFC. In the UFC. Okay, she submitted Rose to win the title, got beat by Joanna. Decision, decision. Some of these are wins or losses, but decision, decision, decision. Stopped by Tatiana Suarez. Decision, 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 decision. Yeah. yeah. You are you are Carla Esparza's only TKO win in the UFC. You are her only TKO win in the last, like, 20 years. Prior to that, her, you have to go all the way back to 2012 when she beat Lynn Alvarez in Invicta. Uh, via TK or like that. That's how far back we have to go. If you want to talk about Carlos Barza stopping someone with strikes. Even on the ground. That's <laughs> um, nuts. That's legitimately nuts. But I, I would say that the loser of this is definitively out of the title picture. Whereas the winner probably needs one more win. That said, it's, this is also pursuant to who's available. So, and again, the UFC doesn't actually care about meritocracy, unless they want to unless they want to complain about other f organizations not having one. Well, Conor McGregor threatens to parachute into another division after not being drug tested for two and a half years or however long. Um, sorry, we'll get to that. We'll get to old. Uh, we'll get to old Conor. So, this is. This isn't Dern's first five-round fight, but um, I, her last one was not. Her, she lost the fight with Rodriguez. That was five rounds. Um, this will be a bit of a test to see how her cardio holds up. She also needs to iron out her striking a little bit and preferably get some better takedown game. Because her jiu-jitsu is... She might have the best. If we're just Pure jiu-jitsu, she's probably the best in the division, if not the best... Uh, female fighter in the UFC. Her jiu-jitsu credentials are that good. But she does need a more reliable method of getting the fight to the mat because she's not the best at... She's not the best at forcing people to fight on her terms. And that's been a real problem for her. Um, Yan Shonan has decent hands, but... I, over five rounds, I don't know that Jan's going to be disciplined enough to keep this fight off the mat for enough to avoid being finished or get the win. I might be wrong about that. This is, like I said, this is not a bad fight. It's not a very good main event, but it's a not a bad fight by any reasonable stretch of the imagination. I like Dern, but if she hasn't figured some of that out, she could be in for a, a rough night. We don't have a full bout order for some of these, so I'll tell you when I get out of the um, out of the fights we have an order for and introduce the announced stuff. And if they change the order on me between now and fight night, well, that's on them. All right, your co-main event. I believe this is the co-main event. It's listed as such now, and I don't know what would supersede it. Um, featherweight, Sadiq Yusuf and Don Shanus. Was this always this fight? This feels like not always this fight, you know? I'm going to double-check this. I feel like Yusuf was supposed to fight 
Wasn't he supposed to fight um, Giga Chikadze here? I feel like he was. I wish to check this. No, I think this has always been this fight. Huh. Well, this card has had a lot of, has had some pretty serious changes to it over, again, throughout its time. You know, we were supposed to get Cody Garbrandt and Ronnie Yaya here. Um, that fell apart. Both Yaya and Garbrandt have injuries. Jarzinia Rosenstreich and Chris Dawkins got moved to another event, I think in December. Um, we lost Vince Pichel and Jesse Ronson. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just been a, you know, more typical than not card in the sense of stuff getting shifted around. Um, the UFC likes Sadiq Youssef. You know, he's only got the one loss in the promotion that was to Arnold Allen. He beat Alex Caceres earlier this year. This is kind of a setup for him. Um... Yeah, it, that's just going to call it like I see it. It's kind of a setup. Uh, welterweight. This is our only other currently announced fight for the main card. Francisco Trinaldo and Randy Brown. You know, also not a terrible fight. In fairness to this fight, it it's not terrible. I got a soft spot for old man Trinaldo. I have watched the vast majority of his UFC career. I think there's only a couple of his fights in the UFC that I haven't seen. Uh, and I was, and I covered a lot of these. I have covered. I mean, Trinaldo, God bless him, man. He's been in the UFC for ten years. Twenty years earlier, when talking about Esparza, I meant ten. Jeez, I can't do math. Now, he's been with the UFC for ten years, like since 2012. And I mean, his debut came up at middleweight when he beat Delson Heleno, who was a pretty hot prospect coming out of the IFL. It was a pretty big upset for Trinaldo. But been in the UFC for that long. He's an older man now, as far as fighting goes. On a two-fight winning streak, though. I mean, he is five and one in his last six. It's not bad. He lost to Muslim Salikov. Um, Randy Brown, though, represents some interesting challenges for him, mostly size-related. Brown is very long. Trinaldo, he's a bit of a fire hydrant at welterweight. I mean, he was a he was a fairly stocky guy at lightweight. He was not a not a tall lightweight. At welterweight, you know, he's gonna he's gonna be on the short end of a lot of these a lot of these fights, but. Randy Brown been up to three fight winning streak. Uh, hmm. Logically, I should pick Brown here. We start with that. Yeah, he's the younger man. He's the bigger man. He's longer. He's got good power. I'm not going to be surprised if Trinaldo pulls this off. He's certainly pulled off surprising finishes and big wins before, but I am going to pick Randy Brown here. Uh, I think that range is going to be a problem for Trinaldo. Trinaldo hits hard. Uh, he's good about mixing kicks and punches. So, again, I'm not I'm not discounting Trinaldo's chances here, but you know, where do I lean? I lean towards Brown. 
As for the prelims, we have Hani Barcelos and Trevin Jones. Uh, I'm a pretty... Man, I like Hani Barcelos. He was a guy I thought was seriously underappreciated for a long time. Um, the loss to Timur Valiev hurt. Then he was off for a while, not a full year, but he was off seven months, give or take. And lost to Victor Henry. That was January of this year. Um, oh, let's see. He's 35. I, I like Barcelos. I'm going to pick him, I think. Uh, Jones, on a two-fight losing streak, losses to Saeed Yurkub Kakramanov and Javid Basharat. That Basharat fight was recently. Yeah, it was. I'm going to I'm gonna pick Barcelos here, uh, but he needs to, for as good as he is, he needs to get back on the winning side of things. At strawweight, we have Tabitha Ricci and Jessica Penne. This was not always Penne. Um, Ricci was supposed to fight Shan uh, Vlismus. Uh, Vlismus withdrew. Now we get Penne. Um, Ricci, 2-1 in the UFC. Lost her debut to Manon Fior. Then returned to strawweight. Won her last two. Um, Penne had... Uh, she's coming off a loss to Emily Ducati. I'm going to pick Ricci, I guess, but I don't know. That That's a tough one to pick. Bantamweight, John Castaneda and Daniel Santos. I think this is Castaneda. Yeah, he's 2-1 and one in the UFC. His loss was to Nathaniel Wood in 2020. Yeah, picking Castaneda here, but let me double-check Santos, actually. I might not want to do that. Uh, where are you, Santos? There you are. Santos is... Lost his UFC debut to Julio Arce. Earlier this year. Yeah, Castaneda. Picking Castaneda. Um, that's what we have as far as known bout orders, necessarily. So for the announced bouts that are going to fill this card out, however they fill it out. I think we lost this one actually. They are list this has listed as announced uh, Leah Letson and Chelsea Chandler. I think that got cancelled. I'm ninety percent sure that Letson withdrew from that, so I'm gonna leave that one aside. Um Joaquin Silva and Jesse Ronson. Again, Ronson was supposed to be fighting uh, Vince Pichel. Pichel had to pull out. Let's see, so Silva, Joaquin Silva. He's not had a good run in the UFC. Um, he is 2-3. and three On a two-fight losing streak. Knocked out in both of those. He's been out of action for over a year. Uh, that's, that's not good. Whereas Ronson... Not exactly setting the world on fire there either. Has yet to win in the UFC. Point of fact. Yeesh. Um, Silva, sure. Why not? Might be very wrong about that. The layoff is, uh, layoff gives me some pause there, but I'll go with Silva. Bantamweights, Randy Costa and Guido Canetti. Um, Costa is an exciting fighter. 
who unfortunately gets sucked into bad positions and does not really have the kind of cardio you'd like to see at bantamweight. Um, Kennedy, Kennedy's a tough guy. You know, he just broke a three-fight losing streak when he uh, stopped Chris Moutinho. Kennedy's been real up and down. It's a tough one. It's another. T there's a lot of these. These are not the cream of the crop necessarily, as far as as far as talent already in the UFC goes. Anyone good enough to get into the UFC at this point, there is a certainly a level of respect that needs to be paid to that because go spend some time on the regional scene watching regional MMA, and you will rapidly gain an appreciation for how hard it is to be even a very mediocre fighter in the UFC. Again, mediocre as far as results go. By the time you're by the time you're good enough to get to the UFC, you are you are above pretty much you're light years ahead of regional MMA, like by a wide margin. I think I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Costa. Um, I mean the guy comes out like he's shot out of a cannon. He can't sustain it, but I don't know that Kennedy's at a point in his career where durability-wise he can with he can withstand that. See, middleweights. Ooh, we have a good fight here, actually. Brendan Allen and Christoph Yotko. Good fight. I think pretty highly of both of these gentlemen. Um, Allen is coming off... He's on a two-fight winning streak. He is 4-1 and one in his last five. Um, whereas Yotko... All, he is 5-1 and one in his last six on a two-fight winning streak. Yeah, this is a good fight. I'm going to lean towards Allen. I usually do. Um, but that, that's a pretty relevant middleweight fight. I don't think either guy is ranked, but those are very, those are talented fighters. So I'm going to lean towards Yatko. Decent fight. Lightweights, Mike Davis and Vyacheslav Borshev. Is it Vyacheslav? I think it's Vyacheslav Borshev. I'm going to go with Vyacheslav. I, I forget how to pronounce that gentleman's first name. I apologize. Um, Davis lost his UFC debut. Has won his last two, though. Um, been out of action for a while. His last fight was uh, a win over Mason Jones in January of 21. Um, yeah, he's been... What been doing? Supposed to fight Jai Herbert earlier this year. Yeah, just kind of been out of action. Um, Borshev, I think he lost his UFC debut. Let me double check this. Might be one and one now that I think about it. Yeah, he's one and one. Um, beat up Dakota Bush, then had the he got out wrestled by Mark Jacquesi. Mark Jacquesi's transformation from bone crusher, dynamic striker to I'ma wrestle you and win my decisions has been amusing. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Borshev. Um, yeah, I'm going with Borshev here. But in fairness to this fight, that is some potential to be... That's some potential. Uh, light heavyweights, Maxim Grishin and Philippe Linz. Mr. Grishin 
Been up and down in the UFC. Coming off a win, though. Oh, yeah, he beat up William Knight after William Knight missed weight. Like, the biggest weight miss in UFC history. Knight weighed 118 for a light heavyweight fight. Or 218, rather. Uh, pardon me. Yeah, he weighed 218 for a light heavyweight fight. Uh, that was that was bad. That was you missed by double digits. You got a real problem. Um, whereas Linz just broke a two-fight losing streak by beating Marcin Procneo in his return to light heavyweight. Um, I think Grishin. Yeah, I'm gonna pick Grishin. And a heavyweight fight. Guaranteed weirdness. Not always good weirdness, but guaranteed weirdness. Alir Latifi and Alexi Olenek. Um, I don't pick Alir Latifi at this point. So I don't really have a problem picking Olenek to beat him. Um, but weirdness. Like, this is your guaranteed weird fight of the night. Will be uh, Laffy Taffy Alir Latifi. And an old man boa constrictor, Alexi Olenek, huffing and puffing his way through a weird armbar. <laughs> um, can't wait for him to pull guard and try another Ezekiel choke from an awkward position. He's going to do that at least once. I'm not sure he can pull it off, given how thick Latifi's neck is, but we'll find out. So that's the card. Not terribly strong on paper, but I will be covering it this Saturday in the MMAZone411mania.com. So please do stop by, say hello. If you're so inclined, I always appreciate that. All right, uh, we got some stuff from the weekend to talk about, so let's talk about it. Uh, Bellator was back in action. They were in Dublin, and they had a card. Um, there was some weird, weirdest submission I've ever seen in my life took place on this card. I think it was on the undercard. Um, it's sort of like an anaconda choke, but just the head position's all wonky. I mean, this has been shared all over the place, so... You've probably seen it by now, but I have no idea what the heck that thing was. Uh, very weird submission. Uh, the most relevant results coming out of that card. Um, in the main event, Benson Henderson defeated Peter Quayley via unanimous decision. Solid enough win for Bendo, who's pushing 40. You know, somebody mentioned this, and it's true. We are rapidly approaching the point where Benson Henderson has been fighting for Bellator longer than he fought for the UFC or the WEC. I, I think even the two combined. Might have to double-check that last one, but his current Bellator tenure is longer than either his UFC or WEC tenures individually. That I'm fair. I'm almost positive about. Uh, he's probably going to get another shot at the belt. I don't necessarily like his chances, but... The guy's closing in on the end of his career. If he can win the title and then kind of retire as champion, be a heck of a way to end a great career, man. He is forgotten. And people forget about how good Benson Henderson was, man. And I get that, you know, part of his... He got a weird rep for having split decisions that people thought he lost, and that's not on him. But people forget, man forget how good he was. Watch that first fight with Frankie Edgar again. Not a lot of people gave him a tremendous shot there. I know the second fight, people thought Frankie won, and I certainly am... I certainly understand that argument. That first fight, though, man, Benson Benson did a number on him. Uh, his fight with Jim Miller's a great fight. 
And he was, his fight with Nate Diaz, his, that was Nate Diaz's title shot in the UFC. He beat the crap out of Nate Diaz, man. He seriously put a beating on, on Diaz. Uh, Benson Henderson at his best, man. One of the best lightweights we've ever seen. I absolutely mean that. Like, he's an all-time lightweight. I don't know where exactly he falls, but he should be in that discussion. He's that good. Uh, and if he's able to get a Bellator title on his way essentially out the door, be a heck of a win. Uh, in your sort of freak show fight, uh, Yoel Romero defeated Melvin Mandel via knockout. He knocked him out with elbows from top position and a half guard. Um, more than time for Melvin. Mandel retired after the fight. He came, coming into this one, he said, this is my last one. It's been it's been time for Melvin Mandel to retire. Uh, I hope it sticks. I don't need to see that guy take any more damage. You know, Mandel's a guy who's been around for a long time between kickboxing and MMA. And he's taken a lot of damage over the years. But if you never saw Mandel in his prime... That's one of the scariest guys you could stand across the ring from, man. He was a destroyer. Everyone remembers that Robbie Lawler knocked him out. People forget how badly he... Um, dude, Manov destroyed Lawler up until he got caught with that punch. I mean, he just got... He was getting savaged. Uh, Manov was... He was one of the scariest guys you could fight. Was a, uh, and look up his kickboxing career, if nothing else. He he did some he did some stuff in kickboxing, man. Um, I wish him the best in retirement. Solid enough win for Yoel Romero. He kind of needed it after his um, Bellator debut was well weird. Well, he thought he got five rounds and he only got three, and yeah, it was weird. But Yoel Romero, man, still able to put fools to sleep with. I don't know that he's going to be champion, but he's still not someone you want to necessarily fight. He's a dangerous opponent. Uh, also, over this last weekend, Floyd Mayweather had an exhibition fight in Japan. So we were with Ryzen fighting, oh, one of the Asakuras. Uh, I don't get the name right. Quick look at Floyd. No, not that. Here we go. Um, Mikuru Asakura. Um, people are making a big deal out of Asakura landing a couple of punches. Bear in mind, one of those was just a jab. One of those was a body shot that... Not the worst body shot in the world. And there was a kind of lunging right hand that Floyd... Floyd's, Floyd's stance on these exhibitions, and he's had a few of them at this point. And in fact, is scheduled to have another one in November. Here's my, here's my read on what Floyd's doing with this. One, he's getting paid. So, God bless him. He's the best boxer, boxer of his generation by a margin. By a considerable margin. He's the best boxer of, the, of his generation. I mean, who else? No one was close. Like, no one... He had one close fight. One. That was it. And the rematch was not close of that fight. But his, his... His stance on these exhibition fights seems to be... If you treat it like an exhibition... That's how we'll do it. We'll, we'll have a nice little, you know... 
nice little exhibition. You can ha- hang in the ring with me, and we'll go the distance, and it'll all be good. And that look, rewatch his fight with Logan Paul. He could have stopped Logan Paul, especially with body shots after Paul gassed very badly. Right about the fourth round. Paul started fading bad. But Logan Paul was content to let it be an exhibition. And consequently, Floyd was content to let it go all eight rounds. Kind of the same thing with Don Moore. Moore got a little bit little bit aggressive towards the end, and Floyd very rapidly put him in his pace. But again, largely, all right, we can have an exhibition. If you treat it like an exhibition, we don't have a problem. If you get chippy, like Tenshin Nasakawa did, and here Mikuru Asakura did, he will knock you out. You know, Floyd got an, he got something of an unfair reputation as not being much of a puncher. Which, which, again, is not accurate. Um, Floyd has very good snapping power rather than thudding power. And part of the reason Floyd's... This is one of the things you can tell. Like, guys who have brittle hands or who deal with hand breaks, that's usually because they do hit hard. Not exclusively, but usually. And Floyd, again, he got kind of a reputation as, you know, he's not, a, not much of a knockout threat later in his career, which... I don't think was accurate. Um, shouldn't say it wasn't accurate. It was not reflective of his skills. It's more how he chose to implement them. And yet Nasakawa, he wanted to make a fight of it, and Floyd knocked him out. Asakura wanted to make a fight of it, and as soon as he hit Floyd with a pretty decent shot, Floyd, okay. I mean, Floyd backed that guy into a corner with hand fighting. Not even throwing punches, just hand-fighting effectively, into the corner, cracked him with a right hand, and then just kind of let him out, like, okay, I can do that whenever I want. Whenever I want. And stopped him, like, at the end of the second. Like, between two and three, technically, was right at the end of the second. So, again, if you get the opportunity to have one of these exhibitions with Floyd, treat it like an exhibition, and he won't completely humiliate you. If you want it to be a real fight, he seems more than willing to, okay, we can have a real fight and I can show you, even at 45 years old, just how much better I am than you. And, uh, yeah, that, uh, was there anything else that came out of, not really. So that, yeah, that happened. Um, what else did we... I think that was... I didn't talk about this last week because it was still... Some of the results were still kind of waiting to come in as I was recording the show. So let me do this briefly. Um, Gordon Ryan won his weight at ADCC. This would have been the heaviest weight class. I believe that's 99 kilos plus at ADCC. And then won... He did not compete in the open weight. He competed in their super fight bout with... Um, Andre Galvao and kind of smoked Galvao. <laughs> Only one of Gordon Ryan's bouts at this year's ADCC went the distance. Um, he still won it, obviously. Only one went the distance. 
and at, he did not surrender a single point during the entire tournament. He has won ADCC in three different weight classes, including the Absolute. That's gold medals. I think his debut in the ADCC was gold in his weight, silver in the Absolute. Then he won the next weight class up because he didn't. He debuted at not the lowest, but like one down. Then won the middle. Then won like the next weight class up, and now has won the heaviest. And he won the open weight last year, or not last year because they're not held every year, but last ADCC won the open weight. Now wins the heaviest weight category, and the super fight. And again, like surrenders no points during the entire thing, guys. If we're j- just no gi grappling which is all Gordon Ryan competes in, mind you. But Nogi, that's it. That's the guy. That's the best ever. If you want to argue complete grappling like both Gi and Nogi, then that muddies the waters a little bit. And they, and fair enough. Like, uh, and that you're changing the category. And I don't sit, I don't even think that's wrong, but I think it is fundamentally changing the category. But just Nogi, yeah, Gordon Ryan is. It's it's not even close. It's not even close. I mean, he had the he had the loss to Vinny Magalesh a few years back, and here's the thing about that: if you look at Gordon Ryan's game at the time, it was a lot more. Which is this is going to be weird to say because he still uses a lot of leg locks, but it was extremely leg lock based. He has shifted, in the wake of that loss, he shifted slightly. Um, he he got a lot better at attacking from the back, and a lot better at controlling from the back. So, and it's it's obviously made him that. I mean, if they were to have a rematch, it would I it wouldn't be close. Like Ryan would smoke Vinny Magalesh nowadays. Um, yeah, he's it's amazing. It's absolutely it's absolutely amazing what he's doing in Nogi grappling. There's no one that is, I don't know who's close. Like, he doesn't have a rival. You know, there's no one who's, like, there's no one like him right now. No one who has anywhere near his accomplishments. So, I want to give a shout out to him. He is, what he's doing is amazing. He's just flat out amazing. Um, all right. Let's, yeah, let's talk about this very briefly. So, you saw the um, not the results necessarily. Some of the results, but um, USADA is public about their testing, right? Like who they've tested, how many times they've tested them. They, I don't think they've tested Conor McGregor since his fight with Poirier. I don't know if they tested him too much before that. I, I forget the specifics, but um, he's not been tested. He's not been tested since now. In fairness to this, in the immediate aftermath of that fight with Poirier when his leg broke, there's medical treatments for that that are going to require a steroid regimen. Now, people get this confused all the time because there's very there, not all steroids are performance-enhancing drugs in the way that you think of them. Uh, we use steroid as a catch-all term, and it's been talked about before, but in, in in kind of a, you know, 
in kind of parlance, steroid is a catch-all term for performance-enhancing drugs, which is not accurate. I mean, most of the time we're talking about PEDs and steroids, we're talking specifically about anabolics, not other kinds of steroids. And even anabolics have a ton of medical use. When you have a broken bone, or it's uh, usually, especially a bad break, if, you, if there's surgery involved, a steroid regimen to aid in the healing and recovery process is pretty standard procedure. I mean, um, professional wrestlers for a while... Like Edge talked about this and got a little bit of flack for it. But he mentioned, like, yeah, the first time I broke my neck, there was a, as part of my recovery, I was on steroids. Now, people then immediately went, oh, don't you understand? All the wrestlers, they're all on the gas, and yeah, most of them are. One, I don't care. Two, these things exist to for medical reasons. Taking them in the course of, del of specific medical treatment is what they're there for. So if if some of this, in terms of him not being tested, was, okay, we know you're recovering from major injury. Consequently, we're not going to drug test you for a while. Like, There's a degree of that that makes sense, but... You also just, like... By this point, if he's making noise about potentially fighting again, if he's going to be in the UFC, he should be back in the pool and he should be tested. Like there sh He should have hit his minimum number of tests for the year by now. Uh, but, who the heck knows? Like The entire relationship between the UFC and USADA is... It's weird. And it's we it gets weirder the more you look at it and the longer it goes on. And people don't like talking about it because taking a pro... It's not even pro-PEDs, necessarily. Like my, my stance on this is not legalize everything for fighters. It's really not my... That, that's not what I think should happen. But I do think that... You know... I think some of what USADA does, how they go about it is... Weird, draconian, and invasive. I think the fact that this was forced onto fighters without their input or consent is... Something of, should be of something of dubious legality and is horrible ethically. Uh, and you know, there's all kinds of potential loopholes and whatnot for fighters to get around this stuff. Like, it's just, eh, it's a mess and Connor, again, Connor getting preferential treatment should surprise no one. Just put it like that. Uh, all right, also as far as news goes, let's see. Oh, yeah, Eddie Alvarez has parted ways with one championship. He, you know, was there for a little bit, had some good fights. Uh, but he is now moving on to other things. Don't know what that'll be. Um, might go back to Bellator. I don't know what his relationship is with Scott Coker, but... You know, he last fought for Bellator when Bjorn Rebney was still running things, and that relationship was very sour by the time he left. But Coker, you know, Scott Coker is not Bjorn Rebney. Uh, he might make a play for the PFL, you know, try to win one of their tournaments. I mean, dude, if you got Eddie Alvarez and Shane Burgos in a PFL tournament match or a final, like, tell me Alvarez and Shane Burgos wouldn't be great. You can't tell me that fight wouldn't rule. Uh, he might be looking at going into boxing. He hinted at that. I don't know that there's a tremendous amount of money there for him. Could be wrong. You know, the the top of box, it's weird. Like, 
the people who do the, you know, MMA, you know, box, MMA pays better than boxing. That's not true. Um, not at the top end. It's not even true at the low end with the following caveat. If you limit your discussion about low end, lower end fighting to the UFC, then yes. The lowest end of the UFC, which is like 10 and 10 or 12 and 12, depending on what you get coming off the contender series, which is usually 10 and 10. Again, I forget exactly which one of those it is, but it, it vacillates a little bit between those two points. That's more than a low-end boxer will make. But if you're comparing like low-end boxers, you shouldn't be comparing them to low-end UFC fighters. You should be comparing them to regional MMA, where no, boxers actually do tend to make a little bit more. There's a weird spot in the middle. Like If you look at kind of the upper-middle class of UFC fighters versus the upper-middle class of boxers, the upper-middle class of UFC fighters make more. By the time you get to, you know, the main event, it's not close. Like, you know, they're making, boxers are making tens of millions of dollars a fight. MMA fighters might make tens of millions of dollars in their career. You know, uh, didn't, didn't Canelo make like 30 million for that third fight with Triple G? I want to say it was something like that. Um, yeah, and... <laughs> That that thirty million is more than the UFC will pay for like any two card, any two like full fight cards. Might even be two full pay per view fight cards. Three million. I I actually might take that bet. Like you'd have to go like pay per view by like pay per view card by pay per view card. But it's certainly more than any one. Uh, pay-per-view card that the UFC pays out in totality, pretty much. Like, the UFC will not spend $30 million paying their entire... Uh, what was the last one? UFC 279 or UFC 280? Like, pick one of them. Take 278. It was headlined by uh, Usman and Edwards. I very much doubt the UFC paid $30 million to all of the fighters on that card in totality. I very much doubt it. So, again, at the top end, there's no comparison. But, and I don't know that Alvarez has enough of a name to kind of command a, a celebrity-style boxing match. I, I just don't know. But whatever he wants to do, whatever he's able to do, you know, I wish him the, I wish him well. Eddie, Eddie's given us truly special fights for a long time. If you haven't seen his first fight with Michael Chandler, it's... That's one. That is. There's a very real argument, and I tend to think it's true. That's the best fight in Bellator history. Uh, that guy has been putting on barn burners for a long time. So whatever he does next, I wish him luck. Um, hey, Diaz is still playing the field. Start shared some photos of him with you know Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. So he's eh, maybe I'll dabble in pro wrestling. Eh, he's not gonna. If he dabbles, it'll be for an appearance or two. It's not going to be to do anything full-time. Like, there's, there's just no way. That's that's not... That's not a thing he would like to do long-term. I would... i bet money on that. The... Uh, there's a lot of, you know... The, the big speculation is he's going to box one of the Paul brothers, which makes sense. 
Um, I don't know which one, but could be either. Um, man. You know the boxing world is... Um, if you get inside the boxing bubble a little bit, there's a lot of people who are not respecting it. This is related to um, Jake Paul, so give me a sec here. A lot of people are expecting Jake Paul to just handle Anderson Silva because Anderson Silva is an old MMA fighter coming into boxing. Um, they did not watch or give a lot of respect to his fight with uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., and if you're in boxing for a long time, you yeah, Junior burned every bridge imaginable in boxing. But there's a lot, there's a lot of discount of Anderson that is not due, and is frankly a little bit. Uh, I don't know if they're just desperate to kind of continue downplaying Jake Paul, and they won't give him credit no matter what he does, so they're getting out ahead of it by saying, well, he beat another old, washed MMA fighter, and I just... They might be doing that, but my hunch is more that, one, they just... They don't like Jake Paul, so they're inclined to try and dismiss what he does. I think there's a lot of animosity still on the boxing side of things. So there's not a lot of respect given to Anderson or his abilities, which is weird because he's due a lot. I'll say this here, man. I, I said this. I like Anderson's chances in that fight. I'm probably going to favor him. If Jake Paul beats Anderson Silva, that's his best boxing win by a decent margin and would be a very... That'd be impressive, man. Like, knocking out Tyron Woodley, it was a good knockout. It was a brutal knockout. The fight up until that point sucked. Uh, and I thought he beat Tyron the first time. Like, the fact that it was scored the way it was... Uh... You know, it was just weird. Um, but if he's able to beat, if he beats Anderson, that, that's a legitimately impressive accomplishment to pull off. I don't care that Anderson's over 40. I really don't. Like, Anderson could walk into your house or my house and school you or me in a fight. Like, I guarantee that, unless, like, Chris Weidman's listening to my podcast, which I doubt. It's I I don't care that he's for it. Like he's still very good. So yeah, the boxing world is dismissing Anderson. A uh, little bit annoying. A little bit annoying. Uh, that's kind of all I've got here as far as like kind of rambly news bits. Let me check Twitter, see if anything crazy's happened. If not, plugs, and we will get out of here. Nope. So plugs. What do we got? Um, on my other podcasting duties this week, there will be a Damn You Hollywood on Wednesday, not Tuesday. And we will be talking about the Rob Zombie version of the Munsters that we'll be releasing on Netflix between now and then. So that's me, Mark Radlich, and Alexis Haina, I believe. So give that a listen. We are going to talk about that movie, the good, the bad, the other was. Uh, Apart from that, my usual spate of professional wrestling coverage. AEW's Dark Elevation on Monday. MLW will be back at some point in the fall. So probably not this coming week, but I imagine October. I don't know what they're waiting for, but... They've got a whole set of uh, stuff they could... They Back in, like, June or July, they taped the, the Battle Riot event. So they've got all that material that they could be putting... That they use, like, they take a set of tapings and then give you, you know, three, four episodes of television out of it. 
So they're sitting on that. I don't know what else they're... I don't know what they're waiting for as far as, like, going forward. But in theory, I mean, it might just be waiting for the editing to get done, which, fair enough, like, that takes time. But they'll be back at some point. When that happens, I will be covering their stuff. It usually releases Thursday, so be on the lookout for that. And WWE SmackDown on Fridays. Um, yeah, and then the UFC event on Saturday. We will be back here next week to review UFC on ESPN Plus 69. And... We will preview. Double check that. Really? They're not another one, huh? Get another Saturday off. Let me double check that. Yeah, there's not one scheduled for the 8th of October. Huh. Well, we'll see if anything changed. Oh, God, that card on the 15th. Sorry, I'm just looking at it now. Oh, God, Mike Jackson's fighting. Why? Just why? Oh. Oh, it's terrible. God, it's like a car wreck. I can't look away. Oh, man. Um, Neil Magny and Daniel Rodriguez is on that car. That's a good fight. Your main event, though, is it's Alexa Grosso and Viviani Araujo. I mean... In theory, that could be your next title challenger. I mean, we don't quite know what's up with Tyler Santos, or eh, who knows. It's a bad card. Boy, the UFC is giving us the finger these couple of months. Like, everything before 280. Just, ugh. Anyway, back next week for a review and to talk news again. I will see you all then. Until then, as always, stay safe out there. I thank you for listening, and continue to be well, be safe, and behave.